Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Peanut butter and jelly, popcorn and M&Ms, slaying demons and then telling people where to build shit. All of these are two great tastes that taste great together. Uh, today we are doing an episode on ActRaiser, and uh, I apologize, this is a little bit of a uh, break glass in case of episode. We were planning on recording an episode this week on Crash Bandicoot. Unfortunately, there was a bit of an act of God that scuttled the recording, and so uh, that got me thinking about Acts of God, and that led me to Act Razor, which is a video game released for the Super Famicom system in Japan in late 1990, and shortly thereafter for the American Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, for those who don't know, Act Razor is a game that marries two very, very different gameplay modes, all under the umbrella of of rebuilding a decimated world as its deity. Um, this is a game where you play as God, or at least as certain agents of God to rebuild the world. Um, it was a really unique and interesting concept for a game, especially in uh, you know 1990. Nothing like this had been done before, at least nothing that I'm aware of. And uh, this is one I'm super nostalgic for. Believe it or not, I didn't actually own this game, but I remember a, a friend of mine, owned it and I cherished going over to his house to be able to get my hands on it because what it did was so unique. It, it really was two completely different games lashed together in one in a package that like, the, this is truly one of those things where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So um, if you're not a gamer, uh, I'm going to do my best in this episode to sell for you just how unique an experience this was, and not just that it was unusual, but that it is very good. Uh, not, but all of the different components come together in a way that's incredibly satisfying and really accessible. This game, other than uh, it's uh, it, the last five uh, percent of it, is not particularly hard. So there's something really. Uh, th this one has become gaming comfort food for me. Every couple of years, I'll pull this one out and go like, yeah, I feel like revisiting it. Even though there's really nothing new there uh, to experience and replay, like there's just something very sweet about it. Um, there have been efforts to revive this. There, uh, as I'll talk about later, there was a, a direct sequel. Um, there was a spiritual successor that was created. And then there was a grounds up remake done out of it, uh, done of this game but none of them capture the magic of this original game. So let me start with the basics about what this is.
This is a game developed by a company called uh, Quintet. Uh, this is the first of four uh, big games for them and three where uh, you really embody this godlike character that revives a, a decaying world. Um, all, none of these games are literal sequels to each other, but they all revolve around this same unique concept. Uh, and there is something incredibly satisfying to watching the world revive at, at your efforts. It's uh, it's good to be the king, and it is good to be the king, capital T, capital K. Um, there's something very nice about being beseeched for favors by your followers and, uh, and granting them. So um, <clears throat> the game opens with uh, this bit of plot. We find out that there was a, a war between uh, in the Japanese God and Satan in America between the master and Tanzra. That was done because Nintendo of America had some pretty strict standards about how religious stuff could be incorporated into games. Um, so they, they toned down the religious imagery slightly or at least changed things around so they weren't obviously identifiable, even though it's still pretty clear what kinds of references they're making. There's just one layer removed there to, to satisfy everybody. So um, you find out that, yeah, that basically God got his ass kicked in this war somehow, uh, that uh, he retreated to his palace in the sky. And that uh, in the interim, all the remaining humans uh, were uh, subjugated to and became monsters uh, under the rule of these six de- high-ranking demons under uh, under Tanzra's regime. So that's where the game picks up. You are um, awakened by this little cherubic angel and told, get to work. You got to revive the world. And so you do. that happens is the game treats you to something that was very new at the time, something called Mode 7, which was the Super Nintendo's ability to take a flat 2D image and bend it around, to stretch it, to make it bigger, to make it smaller, to twist it into shapes. Um, That was a huge revelation at the time, and uh, they would even treat you to the the title of the game being warped around as this incredible fanfare plays. Uh, one thing I want to highlight here, you'll hear it throughout this episode, is the music by Yuzo Koshiro. This soundtrack is incredible. Uh, even for its day, this was something that blew people away. And in fact, we've done two episodes on other games of the era, um, Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger, these games that are like renowned for probably being one and two is the, the greatest game soundtracks ever made. The composers of those games... Um, were so blown away by this one that they knew they had to up their ante 
uh, when it came time for them to record their soundtracks for those games. So um, this one has been played over and over again in various like video game concert settings. Uh, and again, there were remixes done. Uh, there was a symphonic mix that was released, and then the uh, the revival or Act Razor Renaissance that were the remake. Um, they had him come back and compose new tracks and new arrangements for um, for the game. So uh, anyway, so you are you hover your little uh, sky palace over the world. You can zoom in and out and see the different the six different nations that make up this planet. And uh, you head down into Fillmore to begin the first stage, which is. Uh, the first gameplay mode is side-scrolling hack and slash. Think Castlevania. You, you as this um, uh, moat of light, come down and embody a statue of God, the Master, who is this you know um, kind of warrior-looking dude with a sword, and you uh, do classic hack and slash stuff. You go left to right, um, and you hack away at things with your sword. You will eventually, through the course of the game, gain access to magical spells to also use against enemies. You make it to the end, and you kick the crap out of this giant centaur. That uh, frees up the world to be revived in the next gameplay mode. So the second uh, part of the gameplay, this is the the M&Ms to the popcorn uh, that makes this really sing, is this city building mode of the game. So now you've gone from traditional, like I said, uh, left to right hack and slash to Sim City. You command your followers to rebuild the world in this on this map that's sort of a little grid. As they grow and develop, they will develop technologies. They will learn how to build better housing and increase the population, which the more population, the stronger you become as a god because you are powered by their beliefs. While you're doing this, you are being harried by demons. So there are these little tiles on the map that are like monster closets, that little different types of demons will come out and you play as this little cherub and you fire arrows at them and use magic spells. So you have to balance rebuilding your city with also uh, keeping these monsters at bay so they don't kidnap the populace, destroy the town, etc. So you're sort of managing your your time between, you know, uh, keeping and tamping those guys down. Eventually, if you uh, instruct your villagers to build to where the monster layer is, they will seal it up for you and then no more monsters come out of that area. They can build on it. Uh, there will also be little cute challenges where, say, there's a, a, a monster layer that is on an island uh, because it's separated by a river. You will eventually get your villagers to a point where they can build a bridge. You build a bridge across the river. Now you can take care of the monster closet. Um, that is sort of the general... Um, 
moment to moment mode of this, but you use acts of God both offensively and defensively during this. So for example, you will have you will start the game with the ability to send lightning down from heaven and destroy things. Now you can use that to kill monsters once in a while. Um, but the other thing you can do is you can use it to blast trees away or rocks to clear land so that your villagers can develop things. Meanwhile, uh, as this is going on, your villagers will communicate with you. They they will. Um, your, your cherub will let you know that people have come to pray and you can go and listen to their prayers and they will tell you about things you should do, things they need, um, places you can direct them. So sometimes it'll be something simplistic and cute. They will tell you that, that they have found some unusual artifact on the edge of town and you will lead them to that area and that will unearth a token that will increase your abilities in the game somehow. You'll get a new magic spell, you will get more health, um, you will have a mechanical reward for doing that task. Other times they're more about plot and about theming. So they will be there to teach you, um, for example, they'll tell you like a, a child got lost and you need to go find him, or I think uh, in that case, you find, unfortunately, his body, and you know, the villagers learn more about mortality and things like that, the fleeting nature of their human existence. Um, but they are there, uh, they will worship you and love you no matter what you do. This is not like a morality system where you can smite them and they will uh, they will rue your name and, and uh, convert to another religion. Um, but speaking of smiting, one thing you can do in the game is use these uh, acts of God weather type spells to clear away the village, because if you want to have the maximum population density, the little huts your guys built at the beginning are not nearly as good as the houses they will build later on. So you need to clear out the old huts. The only way to do that is sometimes to send, say, fire or an earthquake to decimate the land Old Testament style, because when they rebuild, they will rebuild much bigger and better. Um, it's not explicitly inst instructed for you to do that. And the villagers don't react to you the way they would say most people react to God doing things like this. Uh, you know, you, you are always in theory, a kind of benevolent God. You, you are not the God that uh, sends children brain cancer and such like, you know, the real God or, you know, commands them not to eat certain shit for no real reason other than to make them miss out on good parts of life. So, um, no, you are always the uh, kind of benevolent God who serves all of the people um, there, there is no other religion except there is one uh, island in the game where people are worshiping uh, something evil, uh, which quickly, of course, is sussed out to be a uh, one of these demons in disguise that you will go and defeat. So, um, you know, a very monotheistic religion. They they don't get into like you know um, other equally valid faiths uh, warring with each other like in real life. Thankfully, that this game is too cute to deal with that level of nightmare uh, that we all live with in real life as religions go to war with each other. So after you've raised up this uh, Fillmore village uh, up to a certain point, they start freaking out and they can't build anymore and they can't do anything. And they tell you that they've unearthed a gateway into something awful. And you head down there for your second round of hacking and slashing and killing in gameplay mode number one to defeat the primary boss of the area.
each of the six levels or uh, lands of this world are the same pattern. There's a, uh, you hack and slash to clear the way to be able to build. You build up your little village and then uh, you kill the final boss that is uh, haunting that area. Uh, and then you move on to the next one. So each level is, yeah, two of one and uh, one in the middle, this, this building area. Um, what is nice is that every once in a while, these building areas talk to each other. So um, you will build a, a road that goes from Fillmore to next door Bloodpool, uh, the second village. Uh, you will find that the villagers in Bloodpool are very, very sad at one point. They are despondent until you go to another village that teaches you a form of music that you can then bring back to Bloodpool. And when you teach them that music, they uh, they cheer up and they begin to uh, build anew and their civilization advances. So um, I really enjoy the way these little interplays happen between one village and another. Um, they don't happen often, but they happen just often enough to make the world feel a little more interconnected. And so each of these areas has kind of their own flavor. Fillmore is sort of, you know, European, um, you know, or rather Greek, I should say. It's kind of more like, you know, um, yeah, like ancient Greece or Rome. The blood pool is very medieval uh, England uh, in its sort of theming. And um, literally there is a giant lake of blood that is being caused by a nearby uh, vampiric type demon that you will slay. Cassandora, the next one, has uh, an Egyptian flair. It's a big desert that you have to clear the entire desert by making it rain and making it lush. And um, the land becomes verdant and fertile. Um you will uh, then go to, gosh, is it uh, Marana? No, Aitos, I think. I forget. There's like a, um, there's one that's kind of like feudal Japan. Uh, then there's Marana, which is kind of like, I think like the Philippines, like kind of a tropical island setting. Uh, and then finally, the last one um, in, in like the mountains, which is sort of like, you know, say uh, Norway, somewhere up north. Um, again, throughout these different villages, you'll have these kind of little short stories being told in addition to your your sort of basic gameplay challenges of say like marana the island um you want to build it up but there's very little land mass in fact you can cause an earthquake to increase cause some areas to increase in land mass and then you build on them but it is small 
um, that that is uh, that one. Uh, others offer different challenges. There's more, say more monsters. The monsters are tougher. It's a little you have to work harder to keep them at bay while you do your uh, building and construction. Um, but I think those are the parts of the game that kind of uh, remain with me the most. I find them, you know, as a city builder, it's not as complicated as something like uh, SimCity. So, for example, in classic SimCity, you will build up areas in your city by building specific roads to commercial, industrial, and residential zones. Um, and you have to deal with funding. Here, there's none of that. You just tell your people to build in a particular direction, and they will just build more houses and things. You don't tell them what specifically to build you just build more um and that simplicity should hurt the game but this is where that kind of peanut butter and chocolate thing comes together because yes any individual aspect of this game is sort of too sim simple um, there's not much there but again the whole is greater than the sum of its parts doing all of these little things together make for a gestalt of a really satisfying experience of being a deity who is reviving the world in this manner. The game kind of culminates at the end. You go to uh, the uh, the Helheim or whatever it's called, um, the, the world of, of the devils. You do a boss rush, meaning you take all of the main bosses from each of the six areas and you have to fight them consecutively uh, with no breaks in between before uh, beating Tanzra. This is the part of the game that is impossibly hard. Um, I don't know that I've ever beaten it uh, that way. I think I've the only times I've ever beaten it, I've had to sort of cheat, you know, emulate it and use my ability to uh, say rewind the game or do things over to avoid taking hits because it's just it's just too freaking hard. Um, but if you can do it, of course, you are treated to this sweet ending of your your uh, sky palace. Visiting each of these areas and finding that they have now progressed to an area where. They no longer need God's direct intervention to help them. They've, they've grown to self-sufficiency. Um, and at that point, you you return to slumber and everything's fine. Um, and that's Actraiser. That's the game. It is just an incredibly satisfying experience. You can complete it relatively quickly. Um, and I would encourage you, if you can get your hands on it, either through emulation or I'm not sure if it's on, like, say, the Nintendo Switch's virtual console, do it. Um I mentioned there was a sequel release. There was ActRaiser 2, which came out in 1993. The problem with ActRaiser 2 is it's only the side-scrolling hack-and-slash stuff. There is none of the city building uh, in there. And to me, that absolutely robs this of the quintessentially unusual thing that made it work. Um, I, th I think I probably like the city building stuff more than the hack-and-slash stuff, despite how easy it is. Um, again, there's something about very comforting about this smooth, easygoing gameplay experience. Um, people will, will uh, support ActRaiser 2. They'll stand by it and say it's a good game. It is much harder, uh, much, much harder uh, than the original uh, side-scrolling parts were. You do have a pair of wings that let you fly around, which is cool. Um, but I've never come close to beating it, and I haven't had the impetus to try because those little cute story beats are what made this special. And without that, it's just you know, it feels very... Um, you know, same old, same old. There's lots of games like that. So um, it doesn't have that uniqueness or staying power. And then the thing went into hibernation. You know, there were no further ActRaiser titles made. Quintet made two more games, Soul Blazer and Terranigma, both of which, as I mentioned, involved this idea of a deity resurrecting the world. But they don't have, uh, they, they have a very different gameplay mode 
than Actraiser does. It's not a direct sequel. They're just sort of similar in terms of their motifs and uh, the the themes that they're dealing with. So uh, both of them are great games. Recommend them. Um, I actually recorded an episode of Side Quest on Soul Blazer, so look for that. I think that should be out relatively soon as you're hearing this. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, none of them did this. Uh, and then long, long time passed by and we got a game called Sol Seraph, with uh, S-O-L Seraph, which was meant to be a spiritual successor. It had this element of like a, a hack and slash and then a, a city builder. The problem was they weren't very good. Um, it was just the city building stuff was unintuitive, uninspired. It wasn't fun to do. Um, I think they, the, the problem was everyone thought we got to make it more challenging in this respect than what ActRaiser was. And the secret is, no, it works because it's kind of fun and goes down easy, um, not because it's a slog. Um, so, yeah, w- I was super excited to get my hands on that because I'm like, I really wanted to recreate this experience. But unfortunately, uh, it's just not the same. It's not that experience. So, um, And then, lo and behold, we got ActRaiser Renaissance. is a remake of this original game. It has the you know the, the side-scrolling stages and the city-building stuff, which have been expanded upon. Um, it adds to the city-building stuff this um, uh, tower defense thing, which is where every once in a while monsters will come and attack your city, and you have to build um, defensive things like, t- you know, catapults and towers to keep them at bay while you're... Um, your villagers try to fight them off and stuff, and you have to manage that. It's interesting to try and add that into the game. Unfortunately, it sort of adds an unnecessary complication. It kind of interrupts the flow. So I appreciate the effort, and there's some interesting idea ideas to that. I think in the execution, it kind of it just sort of took away from what I wanted. I wish there was more depth maybe to the building or more to do rather than just here, give me yet a third gameplay mode I now have to deal with, which was sort of eh. Um, so it messed up that kind of beautiful balance in the game. The other thing is it's way too talky. It has a a lot of, um, just constant like interruptions from your villagers praying to you and telling you stuff that's like, okay, you know, let me just play this game. I don't need all of this backstory. Now you went too far in the other direction. Um, and then they try to give you like each land has like a champion character, who they try to build more pathos into. The one cool thing they did do is they added a another land. So after you finish the game, um, you get to go to a new, a brand new uh, continent with new issues. It's you know more complex to deal with than the others.
Um, the other thing they added, I think, is when you defeat a monster layer, the, the guys don't just come out and seal it. You actually go down there and do a little more hacking and slashing, which is eh, fine. It's a little, just a little extra stuff. It's fine. The one thing I will say for it is that the retooled soundtrack for it is just top shelf, just incredible music. And again, I mentioned uh, Kashiro came back to score it and score new pieces. The cool thing is you can switch back and forth at any time between this beautiful, like full uh, orchestrated version and the 16 bit original score. And he used the tool set that he created for the 16 bit score, the original 16 bit score to take the new compositions and then devolve them back into 16 bits. So the, you have an entire 16 bit score, even for the new pieces. Um, there is stuff there to recommend Actraiser's Renaissance, but it is, uh, it's definitely not quite as, uh, as good as the original. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, subtraction by addition. So that's kind of it on Actraiser. I really did just want to do a little, um, give you a little something, like I said, because we didn't get to do this, uh, Crash Bandicoot episode. So sorry about that. Uh, but it, to make up for this short episode on something you weren't expecting, uh, I'm giving you a gigantic episode next week for Christmas. We're, uh, next week. Uh, comes out our episode on Batman Returns. Uh, we're we are um, revisiting the world of Michael Keaton for I think a really awesome Christmas movie because it's got Batman in it, and uh, I think you'll like that discussion. It's a lot of fun. It's already recorded and edited as you're hearing this. So um, really excited for you to hear the Batman episode, uh, Batman Returns episode. That's going to be followed up by one on Ghostbusters, and we have episodes uh, on the horizon on A League of Their Own, Matchbox Twenty. And uh, Mitch Hedberg, just to name a few, there's a few other uh, things kind of in the works as well. So I'm really excited to what Nostalgia Marcanum is going to have on offer in 2024. And um, thanks again for spending this uh, little extra time with me. Like I said, didn't expect to do this little short episode, but hey, uh, I didn't want to leave you hanging with nothing uh, on, uh, on a Monday. So uh, that's it. Thank you again. And uh, oh, admin stuff, of course. Uh, if you like the show, uh, you can leave feedback at our, our, our contact us through our social media portals. There's uh, links to that in all of the show notes. I will mention that uh, I've started posting on TikTok doing just me doing impressions uh, in addition to our regular bonus reel. So if you want to see me goofing around and doing that, um, go on there and let me know if there's impressions you want to hear, things you want to see us do. Um, let us know about that because we can put that out there for you. Um, if you like the show, please uh, like, uh, rate, uh, and review us wherever you found it. It just takes two, a few minutes to go on iTunes and drop us a, hopefully, five stars and, and uh, let us know what you think um, because that helps increase the podcast visibility. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, and tell a friend, of course, uh, if you like it. So that's about it. 
Thanks again, and uh, until next time, that is one more entry in the Nostalgium Arcana. Tina. Yes? I listen to everyone's prayers, and yes. each prayer is answered in its own way. Yes. Yes? And I was wondering if you would try to not pray so much. Well, well now, I, I thought you liked me to pray as much as possible. How shall I put this? If you could concentrate your prayers on just the most important things, you know, life and death, temptation, and save the prayers like, Dear Jesus, be with me as I vacuum the stairs. <laughs> Dear Jesus, fill me with your spirit as I sponge off the slip covers. Things like that. It would just make things a lot simpler, Tina. You, you mean that I... But I shouldn't have asked you to help Blair with her algebra test. Uh, no, actually, algebra's going to be very important to Blair later on. That's actually okay. Then what? I'm confused. I'm confused now. I am. Tina, I Tina, am. all I'm saying is prayers like, please don't let the rice get sticky, you know. <laughs> I mean, do you really need my help with stuff like that? See, I... <laughs> oh. I'm very, very, very sorry. I, I, I guess I was just wasting your time. I, I certainly wish you'd told me about this sooner. <laughs> well, I thought about it, and I decided to finally say something. Well, believe me, there are a billion people with the same problem. <laughs> oh. Don't look at me now. Just don't look at me. <laughs> you know what? This was a mistake. Can we just forget this ever happened? Can I forget? Can I forget the day that Jesus walked right into my kitchen? 